Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Well, I'm going to give you all a fair warning this morning. I have a, a friend named Brian who, uh, when t- times that we'll have conversations, he'll, he'll, he'll start talking and he'll, he'll keep going. And then he'll say right towards the end before he's able to make his point. So we've just circled around the barn a couple of times before we decided to walk through the door. Today's message may seem like that, so please hang in there. Uh, try to, to push, piece everything together, uh, and I, in my mind, I feel like that we're going to go around the barn the bar a couple of times, and then we'll, we'll finally get to the door, but hang in there, and, and, and kind of hang in there with me this morning, okay? Would you please go to God in prayer with me? Oh God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for who you are. You are above all. And God, anything and everything we do reflects your great love in our lives. So Lord, as we uh, reach this time together, we pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in our hearts, O Lord, our Redeemer. Amen. So this is a third week in our series, Who Do You Say That I Am? And and the reason why I, I came up with this series was we had a, uh, a, t- a telecast or a, a, a broadcast that was done by the Barna Group that was talking about the different generations uh, that, we, that we have I- in our world today. And the main focus was, was focusing on a digital Babylon, how we are, are starting to see that we are a culture in exile, but part of that exile is because of the digital nature of our, our world today. You know, sometimes we see that we are, are captured by these little computers that we hold into, in our hands, and, and we let that kind of help us uh, or, or make us uh, move into a, a kind of trance as we look at the, these screens that we have always in our presence. I was listening to a pastor uh, on a podcast that I was listening to. He was talking about how he took a 30-day social media fast, and he said, I realized I wasn't really addicted to social media. I was just addicted to my phone. You know, whenever I was silent or whenever I was quiet or whenever I was still, I, I, I realized I was still grabbing my phone. I would play a game. I would browse email. I would do all this type of stuff. I have no problem with social media. I just have a problem with my phone. But so we have to awake and and, and think about ways that we can uh, tackle that issue and and how do we do that as a church. So the first thing that uh, we talked about is that we have to reclaim who Christ is in our lives. We have to realize that he is more than just this nice guy that, that had some things to say that we can follow because we want to be nice people. But no, he came to, to, to set us free. 
And, and that, that freedom is, is an extension of what the people of Israel went to. The people of Israel wanted a Messiah, wanted somebody to, to rescue them. And while he came to rescue them, that continues, that rescue continues, and we are a part of that rescue, and we are a continuation of the story of, of Christ rising from the dead to, to set us free. Then we talked about the, the, what the church is, and, and sometimes we get stuck thinking that the church is, is this place that we are, are worshiping in or, or this, this campus that, that stretches all the way over to uh, the Family Life Center, that when we talk about Royce City First United Methodist Church, that is this building, which it's not. We know that every single person in this room is the church. You know, heaven forbid that something were to happen to this building, the church would go on because you are the church. And that is based on the proclamation that Peter made when Jesus was asking the disciples, who do you say that I am? He said, Lord, you are the Messiah. You are the one who came to set us free. See, we are the body of Christ. And I love this quote from uh, Teresa of Avila. When she talks about who the church is, she says, Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eye through which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, you are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. So that's a beautiful reminder, you know, that, 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 that Christ uses each and every one of us to, to advance God's kingdom here on earth as it's supposed as it is in heaven we see the church grow especially if we take a look in in, in scripture in the book of acts where we see the the beginnings of the church after jesus ascended he he sends his disciples to uh, this room and the holy spirit comes upon them. And last week I shared with you the scripture from, from Acts 2 verse 42 where they said that the apostles, uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and a fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayer. But then it gets interesting. Then it starts to, to see that the church begins to take off because they, they are focusing on those things, they're focusing on what the apostles had to say. They're, they're focusing on, on fellowship with one another, and they are focusing on prayer. These three things have helped the church grow so much that we see in verse uh, uh, 46 and 47 these words, that every day they continue to meet together in the temple court. So, so they continue to meet. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, they praised God, they enjoyed the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, this is such a, a great picture of what the church is supposed to be. The, the, the church was growing not because of, of, of who Peter was or, or, or who uh, James was or any of the disciples were, but they were focused on listening 
and praying and serving and fellowship, all of those things help the church grow until there became a problem. The church started to grow so much that there were people who, who started to fall through the cracks. And, and, and there were some people, if you look in uh, Acts chapter 6, you can start seeing this fraction happening where, where people felt like that the apostles weren't paying enough attention to them. They weren't, they weren't coming around and visiting like they needed to. So they came and they uh, talked to the apostles about that. And the apostles said, hmm, yeah, there is a problem with that, but you know what? We don't have the bandwidth to do this because we are called to, to preach the word and we are called to be in prayer. Those are the things that we as the apostles of Jesus are called to do. So they came up with a solution. In verse 3 and 4, it says, Brothers and sisters, carefully choose seven well-respected men from among you. They must be well-respected and endowed by the Spirit with exceptional wisdom. As for us, we will devote ourselves to prayer and the service of proclaiming the word. So the 12 disciples, or they came together and they said, you know what, we need to appoint people to go out and serve and help those in the community. And those that they were called to help were the widows, the, the oldest among them. And I'm sure part of it was to help take care of the orphans as well, the youngest among them. So this week we're going to talk about what does it mean to be in ministry to those who are older, those who have, have come before, who, who have shared the, the life of faith, but maybe uh, be, be waning in, in their service, be, maybe feel like that they're, they're not as necessary because the younger generations is coming up. Generational study is something that I love uh, to look at because I found it so interesting. And I have, have the slide here of the, the, the six of the seven generations that we have in our church. All of these generations are a part of Royce City First United Methodist Church. You know, we start out with the greatest generation. Those are the ones who were born before 1928. So they're 92 and above. Do we have any greatest generations in here? Yes? Yeah? I know second service, we have a lot of uh, greatest generation people. Yes, definitely, Bill. We have the silent generation, those born between 1928 and 1945. They're now 74 to 91. How about silent generation folks? <laughs> You know, Ruth, I was going to say something, but no, no. But thank you for, for saying something. Okay, then, then we have the largest, uh, well, the second largest, I think, now generation, the baby boomers, born 1946 to 1964. They're now 55 to 72. How about you boomers out there? You take a look around our congregation. You see we have a lot of baby boomers in our church. Okay, now, now my people, the Gen Xers. Born 1965 to 1980, so we are now 39 to 54, so Gen Xers, yeah. Thank you, JP. 
Now, here is the... <laughs> no, Bobby, you're not Gen X, sorry. <laughs> now, this is probably right now the most maligned age group, the millennials. The millennials, 1981 to 97, they're 22 to 33 years old. How about you millennials out there? Got a couple, couple here in the sanctuary, okay? But see, you know, I, I think sometimes we, we fail to realize that it doesn't stop at the millennials. We have two more generations left. We have Gen Z, that is those who were born from 98 to 2010. They're age 21 to age 9. How about your Gen Z people? Yes, all the, almost all the Westwoods. <laughs> and I, I hear a do maze. Yeah. So the, these are our, our, our middle school, young, element, older elementary, and, and high school kids. They're now Gen Z, and they're becoming a, a focus and something that people are starting to think about because, well, they're, they're, they're movers and shakers. All you have to do is look at this thing called TikTok, and you can see that they are starting to become and starting to make a lot of noise in, in social media circles. And then the last generation of what I loved, we had a whole bunch of them up here. They're called Gen Alpha. They decided just to go back to the beginning of the alphabet. Gen Alpha, those that were born uh, from 2011, and that will go until 2025. I see one Gen Alpha back here in the back, but all the rest of them are over in children's church because that's, that's where they go. See, we have seven. Doesn't that blow your mind? It blows my mind. We have seven generations of people in our church. But today what we're going to focus on, we're going to focus on the uh, greatest generation and the silent generation. So, and we're going to focus by uh, looking at some scripture first from Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4, where we see these words. Even to your old age I am he, and to gray hairs I will carry you. I have made and I will bear and I will carry and I will save. And then from Joel chapter 2, verse 28, we have these words. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. That verse from Joel is a verse that also appears in the book of Acts. When, when Peter stands up and he prophesies after uh, the Holy Spirit comes down and everybody starts speaking languages, he goes back to the prophet Joel and he reminds them, folks, you have to remember that, that your young people, they are, are, are going to prophesy. Your old men and women, they're going to dream dreams, and they're, they're going to be looking at seeing how God will use the community in, in great ways and, and show the power of God within their lives because they've seen it before, and they're going to be dreaming dreams that they will once again see it happen among God's people, and it did, and it showed up in an amazing way in Acts, and my friends, I know that God is getting ready to show that to happen here again among us. 
but sometimes we feel like uh, maybe the silent and the greatest generation, they, they just get kind of pushed aside. Like, like, you know, you served your time, so now we need to let somebody else come along. Kind of like this meme here where it talks about we're looking for someone aged 22 to 26 with 30 years of experience. And sometimes it feels that way. I know I used to laugh whenever I was going to the seminary. I started seminary at age 28 as a, a second career. And uh, when I turned 31, there was a push, and, and there's still a push in the church, which is very, very important to have younger clergy and, and to get the young seminarians to, to get together and, and bond together. But I realized that whenever I was 31, they were calling the young seminarians age 24 to 30. They're like, what about me? I'm, I'm still young, relatively. Why can't I be a young seminarian? Then about three years later, when I was 34, they upped the age, but they upped it to age 33. I'm going, come on, folks. I'm not that much older. I could be a part of that. But, you know, you have a tendency to feel like you are not valuable anymore. But one of the things that I love about the silent generation and the greatest generation is that you think about everything that they have gone through. They have seen so much. All you know, the, the wars that we've been a part of, the, the, the strife that have happened. But you know, if we just look at how things have progressed in our lives to make lives a whole lot easier, I, I was looking at all of the uh, inventions that have taken place in the lives of those who were part of the greatest generation that, that us Gen Xers and below, we take for granted. For example, in, in 1921, the polygraph was invented. Adhesive bandages were invented in 1921. So that was something that, that, that they didn't have before then. Uh, headrest in cars were invented in 1921. Now here's one that's near and dear to me. In 1924, the cheeseburger was invented. Can you imagine life without a cheeseburger? Masking tape in, in 1925, as we get close to Christmas and we start wrapping presents, they didn't have masking tape. Sunglasses in 1929. Philip Head screws came along in 1936. The shopping cart in 1937. How in the world did you all go shopping without the shopping cart? Cable television. Now, that sounds ancient, you know, for, for our Gen Zers. You know, cable television came around in 1948, and this one's really going to blow your mind. A hard dish drives, hard dish drives were invented in 1955. See, I can go on and on. All of these things. Somebody mentioned um, flush toilets in homes. There are a lot of people who who uh, had had to go outside to an outhouse. I remember uh, visiting my dad's uh, land or my dad's parents. Uh, land up in uh, Mankato, Kansas, where they had the inside toilet, but we thought it was fun as little kids to go out to the outhouse until we saw a snake, and then we stopped doing that. <laughs> but, you know, you can see there are a lot of things that we take advantage of that those before us 
that they, they lived, and, and it was a part of their everyday upbringing. And it's easy for us to kind of dismiss that and think, you know, now is the wave of the future. We, we need to forget about those old things because we have all of this new stuff coming back. Have a, a person that I've been in communication with, especially when I started thinking about doing the sermon. Her name is uh, Missy Buchanan, and she's a member over at Rockwall First United Methodist Church, but she is one of the uh, most uh, forward-thinking champions for, for older adults, and she goes around and she speaks all the time about what does it mean to be an older adult, and uh, she wrote a book called Voices of Aging, and uh, she would always uh, categorize, and, and she, she got this from somebody else, so she, she would kill me if, she, if I told her, if I said that this was her original thought, but it, it's something that she talks about how older people, your, your, your greatest generation and your silent generation, and some of you older boomers, you fall into four different categories. The first category is go-go's. And what that means is that you're, you're going, you're moving, you're, you're doing a whole bunch of things. You're, you, you keep moving. And sometimes you uh, start to think about, well, maybe I can't climb on a roof to do anything anymore, but there's something else that I can do. And you're active and, and making sure things are getting done. Then the second group are the slow goes. And those are the people who may have had a stroke or may have had some health conditions that have, have limited them, but they still find ways to, to do things. You know, they, they can't really go on the long trips or do anything else like that, but they, they want to still be a part and do something because they know that God has, has called them to do something. And then you have your no-goes, which are those who are in your nursing homes, and maybe, or, or they may be shut in at their houses, and, and the only time that they get out is if they need to go to the hospital, or if somebody comes and, and picks them up and, and takes them someplace. They, they, they won't get out or, or do anything on their own. They get, they get stuck, and they live a sedentary life. Now, this one is one of Missy's. She, she came up with this one. This is the not going to make me go. These are the people that said, you know, I've done it. Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. I don't need to do anything else because I've already, already paid my cost. But I, I wonder, and I, I wonder if those do not want to go are people who have been silenced. Those people who have come up with ideas and, and, and wanted to, to be continually active and, and doing stuff, but they've had some young whippersnapper say to them, you know what, we got it. You've already served your time. You don't have to do anything because the younger generation is going to take over. And my friends, if we look at the church being full of, of people from seven different generations. The word that I have today is that somebody who is 95, 96, which we know we have someone in our congregation who's that old, still has a lot to give. 
to the life of our church as somebody who is turning eight or somebody who's 24 or somebody who's 36 or somebody who's 47. We all work together because we have life and experiences that we can share to build the body of Christ. See, the church isn't done being built yet. We continue to build with each other. So there are questions that we have that I want to propose to you today. For the older adults in our church, are you living in a way that leaves a legacy? Are you trying to engage younger people? What would it look like if you went, looked around and you invited a young family to dinner? What would it look like if, if, if you really tried to engage? And you know, folks, the, the question goes both ways. For you younger people out there, what would it look like if you really tried to engage some older adults in our congregation? How can you use the wealth of information you have and then share it with others? Because, my friends, even though the world seems to be moving a whole lot faster and we have a lot more technology and, and there's a lot of stuff that's going on, there is wisdom that only you have. There's wisdom that we can't get from a smartphone. There is wisdom that we can't get by, by going to Google and typing in something and have it autofill the little bar of what we want to know. The wisdom that you have, the wisdom that you can share with us younger people is invaluable. Are ways that we can continue to grow together as disciples of Jesus Christ. And I will say that I am about as guilty as anybody else whenever I think about how to, to, to grow in knowledge because I have all I need in my hand. I, I can quickly find out the answers, but to know exactly what it means to live in the world around us, that is something that we can only give to something else. One of the things, um, a lot of you know that we are moving to a simplified board structure in our church, and there are some articles that we have about that, where we're going to have a 12-person board. And, and one of the things that I've tasked my nominations committee as we've been moving for that, and we'll, we'll announce, uh, at, hopefully all the nominations will be done by uh, November the 10th, and we'll announce who is a part of the board, but we have been very intentional to make sure that we have a good representation of older adults on this board, and that's something that we will continue to do. We have a good representation of those who are um, uh, empty nesters, whose who kids are off in the college. We have a good representation of those who have kids still available and also younger adults so that we can be a generational church that's growing and, and, and learning through and with each other. And so the main question that we need to ask each other, and the main question I want you to continue to ask me, is how are we helping our senior adults grow in discipleship and in service to others? 
You know, if we don't ask those questions, if we don't give the opportunities for our senior adults to grow in ministry, we are going to miss out on a whole lot. Because each person who is a part of Royce City First United Methodist Church has something valuable to give so that we can see what it truly means to grow as a disciple. Because the fact of the matter is, how we deal with change speaks to how we look at spiritual growth and maturity. How we, we look at the changing world around us and how we adapt and how we learn from each other allows us to see the church that Christ wants us to serve. Let us pray. Oh God, you know, it is amazing to me to take a look at the church that we have. And I give thanks to every single person who walks through these doors because I know that you have gifted them in ways that I'm not gifted. You have gifted them and given them a, a platform to share your love and grace. And Lord, that goes to those who are a part of the greatest generation. That goes to those who are, are, are the silent generation, the baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, Gen Z, and even our little disciples of the Gen Alpha. Help us to, to lean on each other, to help us to grow, to help us to see your love and grace in a ways that proclaims that you are the Christ and you have changed the world around us so that we may be a part of that change. So God, we lift all of this up in the strong name of the one who loves us and cares for us, Jesus our Lord, amen.